From Humber College, in association with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, my name is Mark Whale, and this is the Music Listening Project podcast. Today we will listen to the first movement, and maybe a bit of the fourth movement, the Brahms Sextet in B-flat major, the we being myself and Leah Kirstein. Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Leah is a violist, a fiddler, a teacher, an arranger, uh, and one of the duo Citizen Jane, a folk pop duo whose music you can and should check out on Spotify. Brahms Sextet in B-flat is one of two, the other in G major, and catalogued as Opus 18, so a relatively early work. He wrote it when he was 27 in 1860. He was born in 1833. You have a couple of ideas about Brahms's writing in this sextet, right, Leah? Yeah, so I think in Brahms's life at the time, throughout his early 20s, he was completely in love with a woman, Clara Schumann, who was married to famous composer Robert Schumann. And when Robert passed away, it was well within Brahms's right to uh, yeah, to start a relationship with Clara and to even propose to her. But he was always so hesitant and idealized the idea of her and never ended up making any formal advances. And so he wrote this sextet as a way of procrastinating writing a quartet, which he held in high, such high esteem as like this hallowed, untouchable art form of writing a string quartet. He thought somehow it'd be easier to write this string sextet because, for example, like I can imagine if you want to give the cello the melody, you don't have to worry about the bass dropping out and reorchestrating the whole thing because you've got another cello to rely on. You can pass it around this small orchestra. That kind of makes sense, but why would writing a sextet alleviate his passion for Clara? Or is that not the point? Well, I don't know. I know that these two events were sort of coinciding at the same time in his life, and I just see similarities between his avoiding doing something that he really wants to do. That makes sense. Because he holds it in such personal high esteem. so, So the quartet is like Clara. Yeah. <laughs> so the string quartet, as you know, is written for violin, uh, two violins, viola and cello. And the sextet is it's quite unusual uh, combination of instruments, which is just two of each. So two violins, two violas, two cellos. So the only other person to have done that, I think, is Boccherini. He wrote, also wrote two sextets. Mm-hmm. So the recording we are going to listen to is a 1989 recording by the Stuttgart soloists uh, available on Naxos. So let's have a listen.
So let's stop it there. Uh, so what are you hearing? So I'm hearing at the beginning that one of the cellos has the tune and it's accompanied by another cello, which of course you never get to hear in a string quartet. And and it has this soft, undulating, pulsing accompaniment in the first viola. So you can hear what you're hearing is the cello, uh, the second cello, right? Mm-hmm. Playing that bass line at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the violin picks up the main theme. Da, 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 da. The first violin picks up that theme from the first cello. And uh, the first viola um, plays it as well in octaves. So it's like strengthened and reinforced and the sound really blossoms and develops. It's the same theme that we just heard in the cello, but it's totally transformed by a new orchestration. Yeah, I really love that that bass line. Isn't just I mean if you really allow your attention to be captured by by the the bass cello mm-hmm. just just let's let, take another listen to that and it moves in contrary motion right so mm-hmm. as the bass line is going up the upper cello the the cello with the beautiful tune Mm-hmm. Is, is going down and then in the middle you've got your part right which is these uh, undulating doo-dee-doo. and i just have one last thing to say about this bit it's just it happens right it just starts mm-hmm. from nothing mm-hmm. and, and it's suddenly full-on Mm-hmm. You know, there's no kind of gentle ease in. It's gushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just right into the chorus, straight off the top of the song. That, that's right. It's a nice <laughs> There's nice no beating around the bush. Yeah. then violin comes over the tune and you are also playing the tune yeah first viola in octaves incredibly thick textures and and yet transparent and now we're playing it in sixth so it seems even richer and fuller mm. and more developed than octaves that's nice. Let's let's just listen to that again. So you say we're playing in sixths. So six a sixth is an interval, right? So we were playing it in octaves, so it sounds like it's in unison. And now we start playing in six. See, that's what happens in these podcasts. I start to hear things that I didn't realize were happening. So here it's in octaves, and now we come into sixths. Yeah. 
Oh, and the second viola has finally entered. (laughs) (laughs) So it just feels like the the build-up of the beginning till here. in sixth. Oh, there he is, down at the bottom. the way that it everything kind of stops and the first violin gets to kind of have those couple of mm-hmm. bars almost by himself mm-hmm. or herself mm-hmm. um it's so absolutely buoyant like it's yeah. like the violin takes flight and the the rest of the accompaniment is just like gusting it along that's a nice way of putting it yeah buoyant This is the bit I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure whether this is particularly profound, but when you think about how the shape of music works and the the pulse or the so in this little bit you've got dee ba da da dee ba da da dee so you've got first uh on i think a barley measure you have mm-hmm. um be the first violin with with the rest of the strings accompanying it or, mm-hmm. or giving it some support on a bar and then they allow it uh i don't know what is it two or three bars so dee ba da da dee and then it flies. I love the the sort of contrast between like the earthiness in Brahms. This Brahms is always so earthy and so grounded, especially with two cellos and two violas. The whole thing is just so right. Im- immense and vast and grounded and earthy, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have this moment where you just feel like you're flying and mm-hmm. suspended.
things I find most challenging as a performer in this kind of situation is how to know if you're the primary voice, if you're catching the primary voice after a moment of suspension in the air. Like, I have to catch you at the top of that phrase, da 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 do da 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 And I, I, yeah, play a harmony note with you right there, and then we continue the line down together. Mm-hmm. Are, are you a secondary voice? Are you accompaniment? Are you rhythmic shizzle? Like, what, are you, what is your role at all times? And your role can change in an instant. Mm-hmm. And so in this moment, you have the violin as the primary voice and all the strings as accompaniment, but then the first viola joins, and then all of a sudden everybody's roles melt into this more sort of communal thing after after that flying moment right now that's it. nicely put and, and we're getting now into what we might call technically a bridge pa- passage so mm-hmm. it's a it's a little more uncertain mm-hmm. it's a little more nuanced i think more searching It's interesting, isn't it? We haven't lost momentum, and yet he has made it less hectic, less. Mm-hmm. There's more calm. It's more peaceful. It's more reflective, mm-hmm. and yet the momentum is continued. And the way he's doing that is really by this this it's second viola, right? Who's playing this kind of offbeat da 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 mm-hmm. thing underneath, right down at the bottom there. Da, da, da. Pizzicato to change the textures available mm-hmm. to him in this in this texture. And again, it, it almost seems quite simple. And and but these kind of uh, these phrases. Mm-hmm. They just they sort of go up and go down. They kind of like. Uh, they wax and they wane. They they expand and they contract. Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful sort of organic thing. You were talking about earthy before. There's an organic thing going on. But again, it's never s- as simple as that, right? So he gives you that, but then he gives you those rising pizzicato notes in the, the viola, or then the cello uh, blossoming out at the ends of the phrase. So mm-hmm. you get a you get a moment where the phrase is kind of relaxing. Um, at, at the same time as this sort of uh, moving forwardness, this kind of... This new tension yeah. is appearing as something else is relaxing. That's right, And yeah. it never, ever gets old. Like, all the themes are so simple that you could... That anyone could hum them. Yeah. And anyone could whistle them walking down the street. But it's like the the totally genius for me lies in how he um, 
that dances around those themes and accompanies them That's and nice. develops them. Dances around them, yeah. And the pizzicato that Leah was talking about. Now it goes the opposite way. the cello blossoming out. Just like the beginning, the cello had this second subject and then the violin and first viola um, took it from the cello and right. started playing it in octaves. So we've really had that opening tune and then we had a kind of a bridge and then we had a second more calm, more peaceful tune that we've got that had the pitsy kind of bits in it. And then he kind of gives you a, a second, second tune, uh, which is this more animated kind of moving forward bit. Let's see if we can get that again. Violin takes it over with first viola. mistiness or hesitation you know not a drastic moment of uh, and mistiness is not the right word uh, a kind of a slight dark shadow sort of falls over it but only very briefly just a slightly different harmony right a different mm -hmm. texture different color just there but then it the sun comes out again now, yeah. And you have this incredible period of build-up. Yeah, with six people, you can build up to such a higher ceiling. Yeah. Um, but each time he builds up, and then he takes it away again. Here. Exactly. He never shows you that ceiling, yeah. that maximum it's always a tease. So what it is, is it's the build-up, but instead of the idea of the build-up, an idea of arrival at the kind of pinnacle, he focuses on the build-up. So Yeah, the process is the exhilarating thing. Right, exactly. And he just gives you a slightly different flavor, a different texture for each of those those times it's happening yeah uh, so this is quite a good way of us thinking about how to perform it which is why also i'm projecting uh, psychologically terribly onto poor brahms here but uh, the process of him 
uh, like pursuing Clara Schumann or romanticizing the idea of her seemed so much more exciting to him than actually contemplating like <laughs> making it, <laughs> making yeah, it reality. Yeah, but I know, but fortunately, <laughs> the music doesn't do that, does it? Because it it does make this build up. It's not just a process of procrastination. I mean, yeah, the procrastination well, becomes the fulfillment. into the bass. Slightly different. Now, down in the cello. point you'd go back to the beginning but this recording doesn't it goes on to the development i don't think we really have time to listen to much of the development which is where he takes those themes and kind of messes around with them before we finish uh, this movement i want to touch on the place where brahms brings back all that material it's called the mm. recapitulation because it's it's quite extraordinary because he does it in the you know the tune comes back that first tune comes back in the kind of midst of uh this thick intricate passionate he's he, he almost swept away by his own emotional content and the the primary theme emerges from this thicket there we go seems to be carrying with it all the swirling um, development. Let's just do that again. We need to probably start a bit further back. Yeah. Yeah, Just just to get more of an idea. So this is before the what we're calling the recapitulation, the the return of the theme. So this is still in development. So Beats. And there it is.
So as as the recap comes back, the theme has sort of strengthened itself, having gone through the process of that development. Hmm. And when it comes back in the recap, it's stronger having been through that no, That's process. interesting. You're right. I mean, there is a strength to it. It's, it's far more declamatory. I mean, obviously... Yeah. He puts it up an octave, but no, I mean, it's really quite, I'm not going to use the word heroic because uh, it, it, it is heroic, uh, but in the best possible sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so you're hearing all the things that we discussed at the beginning. Although, you know, I'm not sure that that, that, that moment of flight, the moment of flight is less uh, a, a revelation to me at that point. It's more of yeah. a, a triumph. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and he's like, I think part of what creates that feeling for me is that he's using the broadest possible range in the sextet so far. Like the first violin is truly up in the stratosphere. You're up in like umpteenth position. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're in octaves with the second violin. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's like sort of the most uh, fantastic spread of all of the... Uh, the range the yeah. range of the of the sextet so That's far so it feels less like flight It's a shame to stop there, but um, we're going to have to because I think you're rushing off to some lesson or recording session or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, lovely to talk to you, Leah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this Music Listening Project podcast. We've been listening to a recording of Brahms Sextet in B-flat major performed by the Stuttgart soloists on the Naxos label. If you've enjoyed the episode, please check out others on iTunes. Thank you.